there's so much that you just have to figure out and you just have to, you just have to make stuff happen. And like when I didn't know what to do when I was playing, when I wanted to play professionally, you have to take some sort of action. And that's what leads to like you figuring out if it's right or it's wrong. This is the Let's Grab Coffee podcast, and I'm your host, George Khalifa. Hey, everyone. Hope you're doing well. Welcome back to another episode. We're at number 105. And today I chat with Brett Johnson, who went from being a professional soccer player, a goalkeeper to be specific. He played with the Olympia FC Warriors out of Australia, was a team captain with the U.S. League Two in the U.S., and then turned into an entrepreneur, currently the founder and CEO of Switched On Training, where he took what he practiced being a professional soccer player and really tried to create technology around it. Specifically, Switched On is a perceptual cognitive motor, or PCM, training app designed to optimize your physical and cognitive performance. Let's dig in. So what's going on, man? How, first of all, how, how have you been? Just being based in Chicago, you just came from a, from a fresh run, enjoying the nice weather? Yeah, finally got some sun out here. I can't complain. Uh, being in Chicago the past couple of weeks were pretty crazy, but today is beautiful. Everything's going well. It's a good time, man. I, I, I can't tell you, and obviously you'll appreciate this as a as a, a former athlete, still current, currently active individual. Uh, when the weather changes, like the winter blues just completely dissipate. You know, folks in, in the winter will appreciate this kind of statement. You, yeah, you know what I'm talking yeah. about. Oh, hundred percent. I think one of the best investments we ever made was I'm actually with my parents right now, but me and my brother invested in getting like a home gym in the basement right before all this happened. And mm -hmm. th without that, I don't know what I would be doing, but still like going outside, being active in like nature, there's, there's nothing that compares to it. hundred percent. And like, what, what's your, uh, at least as of now, what's, what's your kind of go-to form of exercise? Is it just running? Uh, so I was a goalkeeper, so I do not like running at all, but I do, like I do office. every once in a while. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I do a lot of like weightlifting, plyometrics. Uh, I like like agility work and especially like with the app now, I do a lot of like reactive agility and, and things like that. I like to train like an athlete, basically. It's, I still love doing that. Well, what's the main difference for folks listening when you say that? Um, obviously, a lot of questions I think come up, hopefully. Uh, I'm generally curious, like when you say train like an athlete, what's the main difference in your, from your perspective versus like an individual person just going to the gym for 30, 40 minutes? Yeah, hundred um, percent. I would say mostly. So like when you think about working out, especially like general fitness, it's a lot of like weightlifting, which is like right. strength training, which is good. Um, but if you think like an athlete, if you think of how an athlete has to perform, they have to be not only strong, which involves strength training, but also explosive. They have to be fast. They have to be agile, <clears throat> which involves different like loads. So body weight, you have to be able to jump and do like more explosive things. So it's basically structuring your workouts difference, not just strength and cardio. It's more like building the strength foundation, then making that strength explosive, and then making that explosiveness fast, and then making that speed agile. So it's like incorporating all different elements. And it's different for every sport, but like typically, mm. those are the elements you want to incorporate to truly train like an athlete. Yeah, it's so true. And I love the way you said it, because like you really have to, that's why programs exist. You know, it's different from just like, you know, Mondays are international bro chest days. You know what I mean? And then you have like a, like a typical leg, because that's a lot of static movement as well. It's usually low twitch versus, uh, I guess, slow twitch, sorry, versus fast twitch, which I'm assuming as a goalkeeper, you use a lot uh, because you kind of sprint uh, diagonally, right? Like you're shifting from side to side very, very quickly. 
Yeah, yeah, it's almost all fast twitch. So like rarely will you only like on a recovery day will I'll do like a slow like couple mile run. But other than that, everything is explosive. And typically everything involves like a we try to involve like a cognitive element to it as much. So not only making you physically faster, but also like think quickly in order to have the best transfer to sports. Because I mean it kind of gets into what I'm doing, but if you think about it in sports, you're never just moving mindlessly, right? Everything you're doing is by reacting to something that you see or hear. So trying to incorporate that as much in your training as well is something that I do a lot and a lot of the athletes that I train as well. Well, it's, it's crazy, man. Like the, the mental aspect of, of sports, like, you know, one of the things I, I personally enjoy doing is, is boxing, right? And, and just as a disclaimer, I'm not a, I'm not a fighter. I, I would love to, uh, to be honest, like my, you know, uh, the, what the second person would have liked to do. But uh, I just like training, right? Like heavy bag, shadow boxing. As soon as you spar with someone, even if it's like a light sparring, if, you know, I just you know, tagging each other or whatever, immediately I feel like my body is under so much more stress. You know, it's like pressure, like my feet feel heavier. And obviously I'm not a professional individual in that sport, but because I'm also trying to think of what you're trying to do, I'm trying to calculate your movement while coordinating, you know, ducking or whatever I need to be doing myself to protect myself. Um, it just, it brings a very, very different element or level to it. You know what I mean? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And that's like, you, you come across a lot of players throughout my years. I've come across so many players that you see people doing drills, like in a soccer practice, you start with just some basic passing drills or like shooting drills. And they're unbelievable, right? When they, when everything's predetermined, pre-planned, they're awesome. But then once that unpredictability or that external focus where you have to like react to something that you see or hear, it completely changes because you have to be able to like you have to be composed. You have to be able to breathe. You have to be able to focus and then do things almost instinctively. You can't think about your movements at that point. And what you said is a great example for anybody at home to actually test this, like do something that you know how to do well, and then do that exact same movement, but focus on something else, like count backwards in your head or like use like this app to like react to things. And you'll see immediately like, wow, I just got way worse at this. And especially when you're under pressure. So if you're in a pressure situation, it's not only reacting to things that you see, but it's also avoiding distractions like the crowd or uh, just any other thing that you want to avoid. So that's even more cognitive load. And the more you can incorporate that and get used to that, the better you're actually going to perform during games. It is crazy you say that. I read an article recently that I, I wasn't sure if it's Kobe or, or MJ, but one of the two for sure. Um, used to basically practice with like massive LED lights to simulate the experience of being in a obviously crowded stadium and having all these cameras pointed to you. And so that when you're taking a free throw or a very important last minute shot, last second shot, you're not, you don't blunder under the pressure, you know, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's crazy to hear that. Yeah. That's pretty yeah, cool. I, I think that was, yeah, it was MJ and they were was talking about like, yeah. And they were talking about, um, I think it's the same thing you're talking about. People like shooting cameras or like taking pictures and the flash going off and him like exactly. getting pissed off about it. And then he's like, fine, I'll just get used to it. And right. like that, that's brilliant. And that's what happens in sports innovation all the time. Like things like that, when people catch on to something that can improve your performance, it's almost like what Phil Jackson did with meditation. Like mm -hmm. he had, even though there wasn't a whole lot of research on it, he like practically implemented it. He's like, wow, this idea of being mindful during games and like focused on the present moment is super important. And I'm going to incorporate this with my athletes. And then as soon time goes on, more research comes out, more people start to catch on to it. And next thing you know, it's uh, like a billion dollar industry that athletes everywhere are doing. So it's always, Calm. this is why I love this stuff.
Yeah. Yeah, with LeBron and, and Headspace and, and other, even the whole thing with visualization, he was such a proponent of. Uh, how, how much of that, for those who, who don't know, you your, I guess, career, we can say, started as a professional athlete, uh, primarily in soccer uh, or football. I, just, I don't want anybody to get offended here. It's one of those rare sports, dude, where it has like two, two, word, two different names that people are very, very sensitive to. But anyways, mm-hmm. um, that was kind of your start. Walk us through how, how that all started for you as a goalkeeper. Yeah. So, I mean, as a kid, like I was just always obsessed with sports and I always wanted to be a professional athlete. Um, I really fell in love with soccer and goalkeeping going like towards my later years in high school and only really played at a a small D3 school. And there I kind of, so it's hard to say what my career started with. It was a combination of that and neuroscience because in my undergrad, I fell in love with neuroscience and understanding all the stuff we're talking about. So how the brain affects performance, how you can improve your brain to improve performance. Um, And those two kind of went in tandem throughout my career. But after college, I just decided, you know what, I'm going to give myself two years. I'm going to go all out, like kind of like entrepreneurship. I have no idea how I'm going to do it, but like, this is my dream and I'm going to make it happen. And I would go to a park every single day, train by myself just because I didn't know what to do. And I knew I had to get better. Um, one day while I was at this park training by myself, an agent was training one of his professional players. And I was like, Hey, can I be like your human dummy? You can shoot on me, do whatever you want. I just want to like get more training. And he barely spoke English, but after the session, he was like, I love what you're doing. This is amazing. Like, let me help you. And that's, he really opened the doors for everything for me. So it's almost like in business, finding that connection who believes in what you're doing and opens the door. It was just like that. So One thing led to another. Um, It was a really long journey, about four years, but I ended up getting to play in England, Germany, Australia, all over the U.S. And really just kind of pursued that full time for a while until I had the idea for Switched On. Was that all like the the, the latter part? Was it actually under the D3 category as well or Division 3? Is that that where you left it? Oh, no, no, no. You you went up. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the college system, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if you think about it, it's like um, the first league is like the top professional league. So if you're in America, it's like the NFL, NBA, MLB. But then especially in soccer, there's leagues below it that are professional leagues where you get paid full time to play. And it's usually like the second and third league are professional, but it's something you have to work your way up to. So with that agent who brought me in the doors, that's essentially what he did. He's got my foot in the door. So I got to train with professional players, play in front of professional coaches. And it was probably like a year of that where I was, you know, sleeping in people's garages. I was recycling water bottles just to pay for groceries, just so I could train all day and not like get another job when I didn't have to. And I was really playing on like those lower league teams, like fifth league, sixth league, uh, working my way up, making a name for myself. And then finally in Australia is when I first landed in the second league so I can get paid full time to play and started bouncing around Europe and playing in those higher divisions from there on. Hmm. Yeah. The, well, very, very interesting. Cause I think that that's also different from, from basketball, right? Like with NCAA, there's all obviously, obviously this current debacle with like, get, you know, paying athletes properly uh, mm-hmm. minus like the sponsorships they get, but uh, it must be difficult when you're trying to do this, you know, full time where you're trying to train and your regimen is very, very gruesome. I'm assuming like it's, it's, it's tiring on you to, to then go and do a full time or even a part-time job uh, for, for it, it's, it's, Virtually like 
impossible if you want to make it to the big leagues, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. And I mean, everybody's a little bit different. So there's people who developed a higher level of skill as a younger kid. So they, they're at an elite level. So they like don't have to do as much to stay there. But for me, I was kind of already set back a little bit. So I knew I had to go all in and me, I'm just like, I was super obsessed with it. Like I loved it so much. The process of getting better, the process of trying to achieve this goal. I genuinely enjoyed it. Like as much as people thought I was crazy for how much I love training. I mean, it was like five, six hours a day. I would have chronic finger sprains, ankle sprains. My body was a mess, but I just loved it so much. And I would work. So a lot for a while, I was working a job at like from five in the morning till like 11. And it was just like a, like a day job where I was working maintenance, wasn't really doing a whole lot. And then the rest of my day was very, very strict in terms of my preparation, my actual training, my recovery, um, and making sure every facet of my game was being trained. It was very, very exhausting, but like the process is what most of us live for. So I really loved it. Yeah, I want to get into, before we get into obviously switched on and what you decided to do there, just a couple of last questions. I'm just generally curious. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when you were, you pointed out that there were obviously some injuries, right? Uh, and the one mm-hmm. I can think of actually, especially if you're, if you're a goalkeeper is even concussions, right? Like, uh, cause you don't really have protective headgear for the most part. And you're getting like, um, a soccer player who 90% of their muscle mass is in their quads, kicking this ball literally to you or hopefully avoiding you, but sometimes it, it doesn't, how do you, how did you deal with those injuries? Like, what was your recovery like? Uh, everything was a little bit different. So a lot of it is just rest. So for instance, I, I a lot of broken fingers, because like you said, Jesus. our, uh, our job is to put your body in front of the ball, like no matter what it takes. So if you, and if you aren't going to do that, then someone's going to come in who is going to do that. And it's that simple. Like if they see you flinch and move out of the way, you're out, they'll bring in someone who will take that. Um, so like with my fingers, I would usually spend a lot of time. If my fingers were broken, I would spend a lot of time on my feet with my conditioning, with my agility. Um, I had a broken jaw for a while. So that was like even moving kind of hurt then, but still like I was always trying to find things that I can do even when I was injured because a lot of it was just rest. Um, so finding something to continue improving, even when you can't do a whole lot was super, I think it was a huge part of like continue progressing no matter what. And then on that, um, how do you how do you get over that fear? Because just and by the way, like when I was I, I was a chubby kid in high school, so when I, when I played soccer for literally like a year, that that was the position that I would always go for because I covered you know a bit more of of the of, of the surface area. <laughs> but aside from that, there, there was always this like fear, man, you know, of, of of getting hit. How do you overcome that? Like, is it natural, or did you literally work on on training yourself to overcome that fear? Yeah, it's like anything. You, the more you do it, the more you become numb to it almost. So it's, it's literally doing it and realizing like sometimes it's not that bad. Uh, it's a big mental game. So part of it for me mentally was I, w- I would watch hockey sometimes and see these oh, guys in front of brutal. this hard, hard puck brutal. going at a hundred and some miles per hour and getting smashed in the face and then coming back in. And I'm like, man, I'm worried about getting hit with a softer ball at 70 miles per hour. It can't be that bad. So like the mentality going into it and just like doing it right. Like saying this shot, no matter what, I'm going to block it. And sometimes it does hit you in the face. That sucks. But you realize at the end of it, like for the most part, you're fine. Right. It's just part of the game. You keep going on. And I mean, if, if you hurt something, you recover from it and you get back at it. Hmm. 
And when you were training for, for things like, you know, getting over the, the mental aspect of it or the, uh, I guess not, not just the co- cognitive, but also the, the, like the, the, the reaction side of it, I guess at that point in time, you're probably looking for a tool, right? Before you started switched on, which is the, the, the tech startup that you're trying to build at the moment before that, what were your, what were your tools? Like, what, what did you, what were, what were your go-tos? Yeah, it was, that's actually a great question because I, I had a bunch of fucking stuff that I used to use with people that I would still laugh at. So one thing was a, is a deck of cards. So everywhere I'd go, like when I'd have trials in different states, usually my mom would come with me just because she was retired, wanted a road trip. We'd always bring a deck of cards and she would fling them at me and I'd try to catch them. And if you've ever done it, you see they move in all these unpredictable ways. So it's super difficult. So that's like keeping your mind active, working on your reactions. Um, a lot of tennis ball work. So like you're facing the wall, someone from behind you throws a tennis ball and reacting and quickly catching it, doing a lot of things like that. And then my last and favorite one is if if you ever go to target and you see those big nerf guns, those like super nice ones, we'd always do those. So you'd stand at a certain distance and you'd shoot nerf guns, like the bullets at you and you'd try to like save them and catch them. And those are like everything I was trying to do to like work on these reactive and cognitive skills when I could. Very interesting. I've seen the tennis ball stuff, uh, especially with boxers as well. Um, mm-hmm. or, or, you know, like there's, there, it's a thing that they put on their head and it's, it's like, there's a, almost a sling or a string attached. Yeah. And then there's yeah, a yeah. softball and they try to like, you know, hit that as well. Um, it's, it's very critical, I think, to include that in one's training. So you basically start with a deck of cards and at some point you're probably like, dude, I've had enough with this. Like, you know, this was fun for like 10 days, but I want to figure out how to make this a bit more engaging. So how do you come up with the one idea, but also framing this from idea to, I guess, reality, right? So are you speaking on with like just the the cards or those tools that I was using before? And, and, and basically turning that into switched on. How, how did that happen? Like what was the, the moment, the tipping point, right? Oh, I see. Yeah. So for, I think the tipping point was there are so many physical skills and actions that I need to work on. So for instance, like diving to my right, diving to my left, and just like the technical aspect of it. And just to master one of those skills in general, without anything else happening, it takes so much time and especially doing it like by yourself. And the one thing that I was missing was that cognitive piece. So I can like make this technique perfect, but unless I have that other piece to it, I'm missing a huge aspect of my training. And in games, I was realizing I wasn't reacting fast enough. I realized I wasn't making quick enough decisions. I was losing focus. All of these skills that I'm like, my physical skills are good now. I've worked so much out of them. I need to tie this mental and cognitive piece to it. And there's a lot of like brain training apps and brain training tools out there. Super expensive equipment that does it in an isolated manner. So it's like sitting at a desk doing like different skills. But in games, it's you do them together. So I was like, there's got to be some way to do them together. Um, I was introduced to this by many trainers, really, really highly regarded trainers who would show colors and cones and stuff. And I was like, wow, it's a very simple concept. I wonder if I can make it available to everybody who's using your phone. And what was the next step from there? Like, And, and maybe this is a good time to, to kind of dig a bit deeper in explaining exactly what Switched On is. But for someone listening who maybe you know, hasn't come across the, the app, I'm a new user. I download the app. I turn it on. I subscribe. Well, whatever it is to get on, what mm-hmm. do I see? Is it videos? Is it like what, what? What's what's the concept? Yeah. So the concept is that the app provides randomized cues, so visual or verbal cues. 
um, that you react to a specific actions or movements. So any action you would make in a sport, uh, you would basically practice that in a more re reactive environment by reacting to these different cues that could be more cognitively challenging. So like numbers or colors versus something more instinctive like arrows to make it more game realistic to help you train more efficiently. So the idea of training is you want it to transfer over to competition as closely as possible. And if you're by yourself, you can only transfer so much because you can only do physical skills. This helps it transfer better. Um, and so if you open the app, what it is, is there's for there's a majority of like probably six or seven sports right now. And you can go and there's already preset drills for these sports that you can do. Or you can go and like create your own drills. So basically you choose what stimuli you want to react to how these cues transition from one to another, and then how long the training session will last for. And then that's basically the concept of it right now. Very interesting. Well, I think the, the cool part about this too is the spin on, you know, the whole virtual concept, the stay-at-home measures, right? Like the, the, the concept, like when you were thinking of the concept in terms of it being mobile, accessible, adaptive, like I can use this in the gym, I can use this in my garage, in my room, my living room, wherever I am, really, I can do it on, on the plane if I wanted to. Um, was that like pre-COVID or did COVID really fuel the, the certainty that this is the direction we want to stick with? Yeah, so that it was all pre-COVID. So COVID happened and it, it was like a bonus for us. I mean, not that it's anything good, Sweet. but for us. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, startup-wise. <laughs> yeah. startup right. Regardless, this type of training, like I knew how important uh, individual training was. So if you look at like the 10,000 hour rule, have you ever heard of the 10,000 hour rule? The idea that it takes 10,000 hours to achieve mastery in your sport. On average, an athlete to get to that 10,000 hours in 10 years will have to do half of it by themselves to get to that level. So regardless, it was something like athletes, you can't always have a personal trainer there. They're super expensive. They're super inaccessible. So I knew it's something essential regardless. And I want to find a way to make that more efficient. And with COVID coming along, it just made it even more essential that athletes learn how to tr train by themselves. And I actually had a, a coach who he was he trained at or he actually played at Manchester United for a while. His name is Jim Layton. Uh, he was one who instilled to me that if you ever want to be great, even in entrepreneurship and anything, you have to take control of your development. So you can't rely on other people to be there or else like you're just leaving yourself yourself susceptible for failure. So if we can give them something to make them more autonomous, like that's that was the whole concept. And, and what was your, your marketing strategy? Because I'm assuming, obviously, being a, a former athlete, um, that, that's kind of the direct pain point. And when we first had a call, uh, that's what I resonated with the most, right? Like you have your personal story, and I think we talked about that. Was it to go directly back to the leagues that you maybe played for or played against or whatever, target your you know goalkeeper buddies or friends? What did you think of to say, how am I going to get this actually out to market? Yeah, a lot of it was. I mean, <clears throat> I have some amazing friends and teammates who I played with who were super supportive and got the word out and actually used the app personally. So that was a, a, an awesome first step. And even giving validation while creating the idea, like talking to my neuroscience professors, talking to my coaches who are all like, this is so needed. Like we will, if you can make this, we will definitely like use it and help you get the word out. So that was awesome. And then the second main thing was social media. I mean, social media is incredible. And just being able to show what this is and putting it out there and providing educational content, the like virality that came from it was just like even more proved how needed this is in the market for us. So those are the main two things. What was the curious, like, again, linking this back to, to your, to your former career, 
What was the one thing that you took from being an athlete that helped you start up Switched On? I think I'd say the mentality is definitely the one thing. So it's you, there's so much that you just have to figure out and you just have to, you just have to make stuff happen. And like when I didn't know what to do when I was playing, when I wanted to play professionally, you have to take some sort of action. And that's what leads to like you figuring out if it's right or it's wrong. So there's so much going on with people like uh, just trying to like learn things, which is good, like reading, learning. But at some point you had to take action and you have to like do it consistently. And I think developing that mindset that I didn't just pursue something that was so um, like difficult for just a short period of time. It was about four years where I was constantly trying to figure it out, constantly just like driven and truly believed in what was happening. And I think developing that mentality that if you keep working towards it, like you can make anything happen, you can learn quickly, you can uh, start seeing results. I think that was probably the biggest thing that I took from, from soccer. What was the biggest difference? The biggest difference? That's a good question. I think for me, the amount of communicate physical or like verbal communication that the impact that it has, right? So as a player, like I was a captain on a lot of the teams, I like to do, I like to show everything through actions. So I wasn't big into trying to like give this big speech and like explain like why we're going to win this game. I was going to show you by training three hours extra every single day that I'm serious about this and it would gain people's respect. Um, with entrepreneurship, it, it is a lot of pitching. It's a lot of communication. It's something that and I'm still working on. Yeah, exactly. And And that's kind of where I like, in the beginning, I was like, I don't even want to like pitch anybody the idea. I am just going to make something happen and prove to people that this is going to be massive. And it worked out because I was able to get a lot of traction early. But then actually getting investment, it is uh, refining your pitch, um, being able to communicate well, know what their motives are, um, all of that. So that's probably the biggest piece that I'm still working on. Yeah, it's a bit different. Like one of the books actually that I came across recently, it's a small one, but it's, it's literally called Show Your Work. Uh, and it delves into this topic, um, but also it kind of talks about like people who haven't, uh, I guess, a challenge, quote unquote, selling themselves, you know, like, uh, you know, internal promoters or whatever, like it, it gets, it just helps you, I guess, change your perspective because to your point, like if you don't do that, um, you know, as a leader of a company, like no one, uh, others might not know about it or might not know about the progress, uh, certainly not investors. And I think they're always being pitched anyways. Uh, and it's it's just kind of like it's it's the way the community is set up within entrepreneurship that that maybe is different, right? Uh, versus sports. That's a really good point you brought up, man. I appreciate. Yeah, it, yeah, absolutely. And it's like it's almost like the timeline. So I've been able to recruit like an unbelievable team because when I can sit down with people and like just genuinely explain to them like my story, have time to explain what the app is, what the traction is, without like these timelines where it's like you have fifteen minutes pitch me your idea, get it all across. I'm very good because it's, I'm just, I like to think I'm very genuinely authentic. So I, I try to just like be honest and tell everybody everything. But I mean, investors and and a lot of business people, their time is limited. So you don't really have the ability to communicate like we are right now. It's more like, give me your elevator pitch. If I like it, keep going. If not, then cool, move on to the next one. And yeah, definitely probably the, the hardest part I'm getting used to. Yeah, like a lot of people struggle with that, dude, because obviously you're, you're, you, you're a very genuine person, right? Uh, even, I mean, we, we've had a separate call that wasn't recorded. It was very much like this, exactly similar. Uh, and I think people who are like that um, have, a, have a tough time 
doing like the elevator stuff, the five minute stuff, the refined, you know, here's where we are, who you, you know, here's the market, blah, 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 like the same refined things that everybody wants to hear. And I think in large part, it's also because people just are, are uh, how do you say it? Like short fused, you know what I mean? Like you skip the ad on every YouTube, look at TikTok videos. They're even shorter than Instagram videos now. Like people just want content so much quicker. Right. So it's always like this, like get to the point, whereas you're coming with this, like, you know, deep, sincere story. There's like a clear pain point. You're like, dude, just give me some airtime. I need to I need to express it the way I want to express it. Right. And that's sometimes a challenge that you have to keep your personality while delivering it in a way that others digest more easily. Is, is the way is the way I, I can think yeah. about it. That, that was so well said. That was that was perfect. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Um, yeah, interesting. Interesting, I guess, differences. The one, the one thing I also, on, on this topic, I wanted to, to ask you about is you talked about when you were a goalkeeper that you had this like serendipitous moment, right? You, you go to the park, you run into the, to the agent, which is fucking crazy to me, like the way sometimes the world works, right? Like imagine if you were just late maybe 30 minutes and the individual, I mean, maybe you, probably, you would have had maybe the same track, but who knows, right? Um, did you have something similar happen within the startup world, building switched on? Yeah, I I think it happens so much. It happens an unbelievable amount, like with finding my co-founders, with finding all my team. Um, I think it's that is like people talk about luck, right? And I think luck is a real thing, but I think you make your own luck. So something that's really benefiting me, another thing from soccer is just pure work ethic. Like I was always willing to outwork anybody. And instead of like overthinking what I should do, what I shouldn't do, I know I have to improve. I know I have to improve the business. I know I have to go network. I have to know I have to do all these things, just constantly doing them and knowing that, um, knowing that it's going to work out. And eventually it just, it does. As long as like you're like with my belief in what's happening and my just passion for what I'm doing, it's just, it was the exact same thing in so many situations. And that's why it's so hard to tell people because going through the process, it's so difficult because like thinking about doing it for two, three months, searching for a co-founder, probably even more than that, it was like six months and nothing coming from it, going through so many people saying no, same with investors. You just know that if you continue working on it and continue improving and learning from your mistakes, it's going to work out for you. How did you end up finding your your co-founder? What was that process like? So I was through 1871. So it was, I mean, I spent a while going to every single tech meetup, every single um, one of these conventions where people are talking about coding, where they have engineers at, and uh, just so many people who are like, yeah, not interested, not interested, and continue doing it. Then I went to 1871 in the same process, and I ran across his name as Madur, amazing guy, brilliant person, and he just truly believed in what we were doing. We had a little trial period where we were working together and found out it was like the perfect match, so... Um, it just like, like everything, it's all serendipitous at all. But the only way that happens is if you work for it. Yeah. You got to put yourself in those situations, right? Like what, what, I mean, for those who I guess aren't familiar, 1871 is, I guess, one of the best business incubators for Torontonians listening to this. It's like DMZ out in Toronto, shout out to DMZ. Um, and it's a really good business incubator. Um, and what I love about what you said is, yeah, you created like the right you know, serendipitous moment, but also you put your, like, you could have easily just like laid back on the couch, watch Netflix that night. been like, you know what? Not, not really the, I'm not feeling it. Right. Or, you know, grab beer, beers with the guys and, you know, kicked it there instead. It's a lot of those moments. I think that, that frame your success early on. 
but it's also even more challenging to keep coming back to these meetups when time and time again, you meet people who are maybe not as excited about the idea as you are. And that shit's tough, man, because it's personal, right? So I don't know how you get uh, beyond that point, but when, when you can build that tough skin, essentially about an idea that's so emotionally tied to you. Yeah, I think just that, that if it's truly, truly emotionally tied to you, like if you believe in it more, like I believe in this more than I believe in anything in my life. And if you have that kind of like conviction about it, then it's not really like a question if you should keep going. It's like, you just do it. You just know that you got to keep going. It's the same with soccer. Like it was two, two years before I landed my first contract and I just believed in it. I loved it so much. Like even the things with being an entrepreneur right now, I'm loving the process. I'm loving what I do on a daily basis. I believe in what we're doing more than anything. So it's like, you almost feel like it's, it's not even work anymore. It's just something that you do. You just keep going and finally it'll work out. What does a day in the life look like at, at this point with, with COVID? Like, is it, yeah, maybe for those wondering what, what an early stage founder day in the life looks like. Yeah, it's, it's always different. It's definitely always different, but typically, you know, I wake up, I'm, even from soccer, I've always been very routine. So I like to wake up, meditate, uh, read. I always like to learn something new in the morning. So I either read, listen to a podcast, go on a walk, move my body. So those are the three main things I do every morning. And then I start getting into like my daily activities, whether it's marketing, whether it's product development, whether it's legal, accounting, there's always different things to focus on. But uh, typically most of the stuff I do is like marketing and a lot of the like foundational stuff and product development. Um, and then it's just, you know, prioritizing. We set OKRs, so we always have like priorities on what we should be working on. And it's just doing, striving towards those every single day. Yeah, r- routine is really important. Um, you talked about meditating. You talked about books, podcasts, any that you, you would recommend? Uh, in terms of books, podcasts? Yeah. Oof. Like any that really Oof. stuck with you, especially th- as it relates to building Switched On. Because I remember yeah. you saying that, you, that you, you were also, and still are, like you were learning a lot. You were very open to different resources that helped you in the beginning. So I'm curious, like, were there any that really, really stuck with you? Hmm. Yeah, I should have came prepared with some of these because honestly, like the way that oh, yeah. I am, I don't, yeah, I don't like reading. I don't really like that, but I like learning. I love learning. And I know when I need to learn something, I'm very aggressive in learning about it. So for instance, um, and it could be anything, by the way, it doesn't have to be books. I just threw it out there, but right. maybe yeah, something so that you can remember that, that stuck with you. Uh, so this one podcast, it's called Let's Grab Coffee Podcast was, was a huge part. <laughs> with, uh, um, with, with Brad Johnson. well the lean startup so when i was first getting started out like that was a thing for me i had no idea anything dealing with tech or startups or what this even world was like i think the first one is called how to build a billion dollar app and it was amazing it like walked through the entire process of what it takes to build a billion dollar app and how all these billion dollar apps did it and then they talked like a little bit in that book about um building things in a lean manner and i was like what do they mean by that looked up found the lean startup learned about that um, need to understand marketing. Uh, it's called All Marketers Are Liars by Seth Godin. Ordered that. So like anytime it's like, it's it's a no-brainer to invest in these books. If I need to learn about something, Google it. What's a book I can read to learn about this? Check the reviews. Okay, do it. And then move on to the next one. Yeah, for sure. There's 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 definitely a couple that, I mean, Tim Ferriss has has a, the 4-Hour Workweek, which I think a lot of people know. Uh, for For marketing, one of my favorite books was Influence. 
Mm. And it actually goes into the the neuro side a bit more. Like it's more psych psychology. It's actually uh, it's more of a psychology marketing book than a like pure you know social media marketing book. Mm. Um, so so there's definitely a, a couple on the startup side that I that I really enjoyed. You pointed out obviously Billion Startup is a great one. Uh, is that I think was that Peter Thiel or what was his? Um, Let me look it up. Really I can't quick. think of it. Yeah. No, he has a, I think his is, sorry, zero to one, I think is, yeah, zero to one. All right. Um, that, that was another really, really famous book that's usually talked about. The best way, by the way, to, to went like, one of the things I learned from listening to a podcast was all the, all the newer books be more careful with. All the older books that withstood the, the kind of, the, the, you know, the test of time. So they've been around for 10 years plus and are still being talked about. Those, those are the ones that you should likely spend more time you know, reading, reflecting, or thinking about, uh, because it takes time for the things that are talked about in a book, I guess, to with, to withstand the, the test of time. It's a great point. You hey, know what I mean? You yeah. Like, have, how about uh, how to win friends and influence people? Influence, dude. That's a great example. It's still, yeah. and it's you know, Dale Carnegie published that in I don't know, twenty, thirty years, maybe more. I don't know exactly the, the published date, but um, yeah, like that's a great example. So, yeah, anyways, it just made me think a bit of, of you know, because every year there's there's new lists, right? Bill Gates is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, his Gates notes or whatever it is. And there's always these new books to read. And sometimes it can be like an influx of information. That's the other problem, too. When you're trying to learn, like I go through these things as well. And sometimes like you're, more information isn't necessarily the, the, the best thing for you. Right. Like trying to be very selective as to what you decide to to get information from i think is important i don't know if yeah, you ever go I, through that like like the, the the fomo or the just just like the the burnout man of everything happening in, all the fucking time yeah. bitcoin and crypto and crypto kitties and all this like <laughs> i'm just like it, it makes me burnt out to talk about it i couldn't agree more man and and when it comes to like learning things too i think you need to learn enough to have something to actually try and then once you try it, you can figure out, is it working? Is it not working? Like, is it wrong? But without doing that, you're just constantly looking for the right answer. And it's almost like an insecurity. Like, you don't know. You're too scared to try it. But at some point, mm-hmm. like, this whole journey is, like, is taking risks, right? You have to try something. And in terms of, like, uh, like crypto and, and blockchain and all these cool things coming out, I genuinely – so, like, even with soccer, I only really care about a few things in my life. So, I care about my family, my relationships, my health, and then whatever my passion is, which I now have switched on. Um, all the other things right now, I'm not too worried about it because I know they take so much focus, so much energy. I'm just super laser focused on this and trying to do everything to improve it. And I think that's something that I, I try to hold true to just so I don't get distracted by all these. I mean, maybe that, like I could have invested in something like that, but I know what I'm trying to do is I'm just more passionate about it. I think this is going to be the right direction to go in. I love that. I love that last point, man, because it's so true. Like you're meant, you only have so much time during one day, you know, and you, you think, okay, well I have 24 hours, whatever. I can put a couple of dollars into this or this, but the problem is it also captures your mind. Right. And subconsciously, like you're going to be working on switched on and then an article comes up and, Oh, Bitcoin just got to 50 K and immediately you're distracted, right? Whether you like it or not, it's not something you, and it doesn't matter how much willpower you have. Uh, it, it's this, you know, Will Smith says like, it's, it's like just going all in on a plan A. There's no plan B, you know, you're, you're basically going all ships in. So you can't take your eyes off, off of the game. Um, yeah. Could not resonate with that more. That's literally how I approach everything. Like 
I didn't, once I decided I was going to switch to switched on, I did not, I, people are like, why didn't you try to play soccer too? I'm like, I could kind of half-ass both of them, but to me, like, no, not at all. Yeah, that's that's so true work. what you just said. And and the, the, deep work, yeah. a book called Deep Work is really good on talking about that. Yeah. Yes, man. Dude, I, I haven't read it yet, but uh there's a YouTuber I, f- I follow actually who just like he keeps bringing this book up. So it's definitely on my on my list. Do you, do you recommend yeah, it? Is that yeah. something? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I just got through it like 2 days ago. Yeah, it's really good. Even just like if you like once I got through half of it, I kind of understood the process and and the importance. And just started implementing it right there. Like sometimes I don't need to read the whole book. I read enough to get the information to like take actionable steps on it. And that's what I did. And it's been, it's been a game changer for me. Love it, man. Um, Before we kind of wrap up, curious, like where are you guys at now with, with switched on? What are some, I guess, milestones that you could highlight? And then what, what, what's, what's next for you? What are you really focused on? Um, So next steps for us right now, we are just continuing to improve the app. We're continuing to improve all areas of our business, uh, the marketing efficiency, the the product. Um, we're raising money right now, so we're raising our seed round. So that's taking a lot of time and energy out of me. And how much and, is that? Uh, What's the actual number? Uh, we're, we're, we're looking to raise a million dollars right now, the okay. seed round. Gotcha. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, from there, we're just continuing to build out the team and, and continuing to get this going. That's amazing, man. Well, uh, listen, I have no... I have no, I guess, how should I say this? Doubt that that you're you're going to continue seeing traction, uh, and and I think you know this more and more than anyone. But like from from early rounds, people are betting on on the founder, you know, i.e. Mm. you. Like the concept is great, the the idea is great, but like you've had a thousand of great you know great concepts, and if if you just don't get the right vibe from a founder, uh, or that you know they're distracted or they're they're in a bunch of different areas, that that's usually a recipe for disaster. So you definitely have that checked off uh really really nicely um and then last question for you i've been meaning to ask this for some weird reason you'll see why i was always curious as a goalie when you know let's say the like your team's on the other side right i'm not a massive soccer fan so just give me some cut me some slack all right but basically like everything's empty on your side what are you thinking of at that point because you're not doing it you're just hanging back right like you're, you're just chilling what are you are you actually relaxing what what's going on through your mind yeah, that is, that's an incredible question because that definitely changes based off the level that you're at. So like when I was younger, it was like looking over, talking, doing to friends. yeah, <laughs> doing, doing whatever it was, it was almost irrelevant. Um, but once you get to the higher levels, there's so much, there's always something that you can be picking up on. You can, you can always be some, doing something to help your team. So you can be communicating with someone. You can be seeing tendencies of a player. You can be picking up on their physical attributes. Is this person fast? Is this person moving a lot? Um, and I think it's always trying to dissect the game and stay focused, which is probably one of the most difficult parts, especially when you're a goalie and you think about it like bigger games, you're on a professional team. There's always people on the sidelines who are just screaming at you the entire time. And you they know that you can hear them. So as you're doing all this, you also have to block out this kid. This saying, is the other team. Yeah, so like the fan, the the fans, oh, the, on the fans? Other team. Okay, yeah. yeah, oh, the, the fans are just going bananas on you because it's just it's free reign on someone who's just standing there right next to you, not doing anything. Um, so it's blocking them out and just like trying to move and position yourself and always, and it's such small margins at that level too. So it's like being, uh, you know, a step forward instead of step backwards, so you can get to a ball if it comes through quicker, um, and just always trying to do things to help your team at any point. 
that's very cool man that that's really really interesting um yeah i did not think of that at all like if i had to guess i literally would just be like yeah just chilling you know like well what i had in mind is someone basically leaning towards the, the one, one of the sides of the posts chilling mm-hmm. maybe yeah. talking to someone yeah. or you know doing a couple of pubs to stay warm uh but, but you're very very right in the sense that you're also you have the luxury of when it's not on your side you're you can analyze a bit more and you're mm-hmm. trying you're it's like being two three steps ahead you're trying to predict who it is you should be more attentive to um 100%. Yeah. yeah and the, the level of focus is, is the level of focus likely a little lower but it's it's similar to if you're working on anything right if you are working on a project and every five or six minutes you just go on instagram because you're like i don't have to pay i want to just like take some time off the the attentional switching is hard so you want to get in the zone and you want to stay in that zone as much as possible it's like always focusing and if the ball is way over there out of bounds someone's injured like you don't obviously don't have to be like staring at them as hard as you can trying to figure out what they're going to do but like you have to exactly you could do that i guess but but it's uh it's staying in that zone really that mentality that mental state is is something that if you the longer you can stay in that the more prepared you can be that's amazing man well listen uh obviously appreciated this this was super cool that's exactly where i want to take this like the intersection between being an athlete and being a startup founder Uh, and the last thing i'll send you this offline but i don't know if you've ever seen tony robbins get into his like routine before speaking um, you know, people have different feelings. Honestly, I, I love the guy. Like, I think he brings amazing energy. His book, Unlimited Power, was one of the first books I've ever read to like get me to a different mind 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 state. I would say when I was younger, it helped me a, a lot, man. And, and that's why I always recommend him. But nonetheless, if you ever see him before speaking, he has this this like routine that he goes through, and it kind of reminds me of an athlete. You know, when LeBron like chalks up, or you know, someone has specific socks or a handshake. There's certain things. And I think startup founders could leverage more of that, you know, before doing an investor pitch as an example, like psyching yourself just as if though you're about to enter the bleachers, right. Or under the bleachers into the game and you hear the crowd and, you know, like it's not like the UFC, you know, like that, that kind of, um, you know, psyching yourself up, but having a routine that sets you. And because what ends up happening is you go from your couch or your bed to like sitting down, let's say you're an investor, my energy, I can't just physically change my energy. Mm. you know unless unless it's it becomes like a muscle right you went for a run i'm sure that helped um you kind of got out nice nice weather but let's say it's in the dead of like january you know hey brad how's it going it's good man you know now see i took a a deep breath that's a nonverbal cue that i'm stressed right it's Uh, a very small thing so immediately like you didn't even start and i'm like oh fuck like here we go you know why would i invest it all in this guy like what i'm already i'm kind of worried at this point you haven't said a single word you know, or you're wow. too monotone or you're too distracted or you look tired that that's where, you know, it, it's just, it's kind of a game of inches, man. But anyways, that is that, no, that I'm so, I'm almost upset with myself because that is something that I was very, very like strict on in soccer. Like I did have a very strict pregame routine and what was it like? I haven't, it was like, so I would always visualize for sure. I'd spend some time visualizing. I would do, um, so it was more like thinking about the game as I was doing all of my preps. So it's like foam rolling, uh, activation work with my bands, uh, listening to certain songs and thinking about certain things, getting the right emotional state, that sort of stuff. But you're right. Like doing that before a pitch is having at least testing different routines and trying to figure out one that works. That is something that I promise you I'm going to start doing now just because you said that. 
I appreciate it. Well, hey, man, hopefully it helps. And by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm at fault of this, too. I don't do this as much as I, I, I believe I should, because um, that's what happens. You fall into this maybe not so good routine where you just jump on calls and like see where it goes. Right. Uh, and I'm at fault of this, too. Right. And it's tough to block out time beforehand for the very important calls to, to get in that mindset and just crush it. So anyways, mm-hmm. I, I appreciate you, man. Thanks for doing this and wish you the best for switched on. Hopefully we'll have you on when, when you guys raise the round. Love it, man. Would love Successful. to. Really appreciate you having me on. Always great talking to you, man. If you found this podcast useful, make sure to share it out with your community. And if you haven't already done so, subscribe to the podcast. I'll see you next time.